It's time to immerse yourself in the world of college football. ESPN 1000 has studied hard and has all the answers. This is Chicago's College Tailgate Show. With Jonathan Hood, Chris Black, and Adam Abdallah. Advanced degrees not required. Understanding the Wildcat? Essential. Chicago's College Tailgate Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. What's up and welcome in. This is Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app brought to you by Four Winds Casino along with Adam Abdallah and the returning Chris Black. I'm Jonathan Hood. You can watch the show on Twitch. Go to ESPN 1000 Chicago for Twitch.tv. Also follow the show on Twitter. ESPN 1000 CCT is where you can follow the show as we give you week eight of the college football season as we build a bridge to Notre Dame football as they take on Pittsburgh. A 130 pregame, a 230 kick right here on the home of the Irish ESPN 1000. So the Big Ten season is here, guys. It started off yesterday with a not a bang, but a, ugh, that was Wisconsin was able to get the job done over Illinois by the score of 45 to 7, as they say down there, Adam. Illinois, as Graham Mertz comes in, the quarterback for the Wisconsin Badgers. He broke the program record for completion percentage in a game on Friday, completing 20 of 21 passes, good for 248 yards and five touchdowns as Illinois starting off on one against Paul Chris. Put him in the Heisman race, right? Graham Mertz, Heisman, Heisman candidate? Sure. Against Illinois? Heisman watch at 1220. Against Illinois? Well, I mean, look, you you know Wisconsin wanted to avenge that uh, upset from last season, and this is kind of going to be, I I don't want to say a down year for Illinois because they're all kind of down years, but last year was probably an up year for Illinois, right? They they had a lot of talent leave for uh, graduating talent. Some entered the draft, so I feel like this is, if there's going to be a down year, this is going to be a down year for Illinois, especially given the schedule that they have to play. There's no cupcakes. You're not playing, you know, the southern directional schools of Illinois this year. You're playing all Big Ten schools. So they could get a few wins here or there, but ultimately I think this is going to be a down year for Lovey Smith and his program. In Wisconsin, on the other hand, they've got a team that looks like they could beat the world right now, putting up 45 points against Illinois, but again, it's still Illinois, so let's temper expectations a little bit here. Graham Mertz, uh, quarterback for the Badgers, something that we haven't seen. This team usually has a good defense, good run game, but they're lacking that quarterback to go down the field. And we also talk about how that offense was successful against the Fighting Illini last night. 23 first downs. And on third down, they went 8 of 14. So Lovey's team just could not get off the field last night. And, and you see the time of possession, 43 minutes and 28 seconds to 16 for the Fighting Illini. So uh, Lovey's squad has a lot to work on uh, here in this short Big Ten season. Uh, Wisconsin looks like a legitimate top 25 team. They're ranked 14th. I assume they'll move up after this performance, but it's a great start because the Big Ten is back, and finally we are getting 
the Midwest teams that we all watch here in Chicago back into the college football fold. Let us be your soundtrack for your college football Saturday. Watch the games if you care to, but listen to our show. And we're here until 1.30 right here on ESPN 1000. A couple of news and notes for you regarding Illinois. And we'll take your phone calls as well. If you're listening to the show and you're a college football fan, come on in. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776. To Adam's point, boy, you know, Illinois could have used – Illinois State, UConn, Bowling Green, that was going to be the schedule starting off because you want to have some momentum going into Big Ten season, but life you know, hits you fast when you take on Wisconsin, especially on the road. That's one thing. The other thing, too, is that the defense, the defense has always been steady for Lovey Smith. You've got a, a pass rusher, a linebacker like uh, Harding, a run-stuffing guy that was terrific for this uh, Illinois team. Illinois jumped for, to 83rd in S&P Plus in mid-September to 51st in early November. It's about last year, 83rd to 51st. So the one thing that you know about Lovey Smith's teams, wherever he's going to go is, it's going to be an opportunistic defense, but it's always going to lack offensively. Here, here's one thing for you, Adam, is that Illinois – was able to reach out to a St. Louis high school coach, Corey Patterson, to help out with the St. Louis area recruiting, like mm-hmm. downstate, like middle of the state to into Missouri to try to be able to help with recruiting. And, and so there was some four-star recruits out of St. Louis, which is fine. But once again, it's like we talk about of all college football, right? The old school of running the football and playing good defense and thinking that you're going to win a ball game, that doesn't work with with offenses that are vertical. This is going to be the issue with Illinois again. Good enough defense, but they just don't have enough offensively to survive. And Illinois is going to need all that kind of help they can get, you know, as far as recruiting goes, because you're still in the Midwest. You're recruiting with Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio, uh, you know, all of the Indiana schools, Notre Dame. Like, those, you're, you're battling with all of those teams, Northwestern, Wisconsin. All those teams are looking for talent in the same backyard that you're looking for talent. So Illinois and Lovey Smith, they're going to have to look at those transfers. They're going to have to look at, you know, the transfer portal, the JUCO transfers, all that kind of stuff, having connections with high school coaches like that because that's how they're going to win games is just finding those guys who want chances at other schools. They want more playing time because they're behind other guys, and, and Lovey's going to have to coach up this defense. This is his defense that he still had to cover, too. It's still implementing his defense. So they just need to be a defensively sound team. They need to be something like an old-school SEC team where they're going to have a really sound defense. They need to be pit, have a really sound defense, run the ball, and just be be plucky. You know, that's my turn for Pitt today. Be plucky. Keep it interesting against Notre Dame. They're susceptible. They didn't look good last week. So just be that team that people are not afraid to play, but are, that you could be on upset alert every week, right? That's what Illinois should be every year. You know what's interesting is uh, Iowa. is Adam. Yes, you- <laughs> yes Iowa. Be Iowa. That's well, I mean, be Iowa. They, I it's going to be tough for them to get to that level because you listed off the recruiting battle for Lovey Smith in Illinois. And you mentioned a lot of teams in the same area that's all recruiting the same talent. Not a lot of those teams are powerhouses. Purdue, Indiana, Northwestern, right? Like Missouri, you know, because if you're talking about real Southern Illinois, those aren't powerhouses. So, like, there is opportunity if Lovey Smith can keep talent in state. You know, he's not, and I get it, and, like, the, the thing that, you want to avoid is those top Illinois players going to Michigan, going to Wisconsin, going to Ohio state, going to Penn state, because those are the big dogs in the, in the big 10. So you need to find a way to get more of that local talent to stay put, to allow him to build. And I get it. He's going to put together the team with the transfers, the Juco guys, but 
you know, overall, long term, a part of the progress and success of Iowa is because Iowa kids stay in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Mertz was outstanding for Wisconsin as you're listening to Chicago's college tailgate. Jonathan Adam and Chris on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Mertz was on fire and Lovey Smith disappointed. And Mertz is out there as the day one starter. And he's going for the end zone again. And it's caught again by Jake Ferguson. His second touchdown of the first half. And what a start for Graham Mertz. He's still perfect on the evening. And this time they'll pass it. And look who is wide open. Jake Ferguson. Make it three touchdowns for the tight end. And make it five on the passing end for the redshirt freshman Graham Mertz. You know, as we came up to Camp Randall, um, Thought I had the team more ready, more prepared to play than what we showed out there tonight. Um, we will play better than that. We're a better football team than that. Everything that seemed like that we had seen didn't say that. But that's what happened. You have to give Wisconsin a lot of credit. Uh, they made the plays when they needed to. Their quarterback played outstanding ball, but um, we have to get him a little bit of, you know, a lot more you know, competition on some of, you know, some of the, you know, the touchdown passes on the defensive side of the football. And offensively, we've got to be able to run the football better than that. The line eye is 0-1, and Lovey says this game yesterday counts as only one game. Well, it only counts one loss. I mean, it's kind of simple as that. And when you play as bad as we did, you, you expect to lose. So um, what we saw, we didn't see that. You know, uh, we had, you know, the 14 to seven game or so, or, you know, after Tariq's uh, interception or fumble recovery before a touchdown, he had opportunities. There was a, it's kind of crunch time a little bit there. And, uh, you know, next week and going forward, got to be able to step up when it gets to situations like that. Uh, you know, defensively losing Jake, of course, not having Milo in, out there. We weren't at our best, but, um, and but hopefully this week we'll get a lot of those guys back, and uh, we can play better ball. Lovey Smith. Well, and you know what he says it's just one loss, but that's an eighth of the season. Next week they'll be a quarter through the season, <laughs> so uh, you know it's uh, it's one loss, but it's one it's a big loss because it's know, only we, eight games, and we we lost one of them. It's one game, but we, there's eight of them, and we lost one. That's an eighth of the season. Next week a quarter of the season, two more games after that, three more games after that. It'll be half of the season, two quarters of the season, and then we just got to play better. You know, we were, we were talking about recruiting in Illinois. Um, yep. Heading into this 2020 season, uh, 24-7 sports ranks the Fighting Illini 14th in the Big Ten. It's going to be a rough go this season for Illini fans. Hello, Gideon. Guys, I want to play for Lovey Smith. Um, like, I think the recruits will come – um, I, he was a great coach as a, as the head coach of the bears. And I think he'll be a great coach of the Illini. Uh, we'll, we'll write him on our history books. Um, last yeah. night was pathetic. Uh, the, the quarterback play for Illinois was pathetic last night. And then in comparison to that, the quarterback play for Wisconsin was obviously amazing. Um, like uh, he, I think he had one incompletion. It was insane. Um, our offense was, didn't perform. I went to a bears game back in 2010. It was in the middle of a blizzard. 
Um, it was against the Patriots. We lost 45-14. to 14. This game was worse, a worse experience than that, and I was sitting in my living room and not freezing. Um, so it was, it was bad last night. Um, I, I wasn't happy with the results, but we'll come out next week and we'll, we'll get a win over Purdue. Gideon, are you taking the hog out today for a spin? I, I am not. It's a little too chilly. Um, there. And I'm, I'm going to spend the day walking around. I, I live near the Northwestern campus, so I'm going to be walking around Northwestern with my dog and my fiance. All right, my friend. We appreciate it. Make sure you keep that hog zipped up. All right, coming up, we get a chance to talk about Northwestern, the aforementioned Wildcats. They have a game that's going to take place le- <laughs> later tonight. We'll get a chance to talk about that and more. As Did you move- know that Gideon has a, a motorcycle, a chopper that he, oh. he takes out? Oh, you didn't, he didn't say anything about a motorcycle. Oh, yeah, yeah. More college football talk is right around the corner. Chicago's College Tailgate Show. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. We'll hear from Brad Edwards from ESPN.com. Does a great job with the analytics of college football. Good to hear from Brad on this college football Saturday. Jonathan, Adam, and Chris on Chicago's College Tailgate. Follow the show on Twitter at ESPN1000CCT. We're sponsored by Four Winds Casino. So the other team in town, Northwestern, will get underway as Big Ten action is on our screens. You know, Adam, this is the 15th year for Pat Fitzgerald. If he wins today, it'll be win number 100 for him. So Fitzgerald's Wildcats averaged only 19.5 points per game, ranked 122nd in offensive S&P Plus, and outscored opponents by 12 points all season. But thanks to a 5-1 score, uh, wins they somehow went uh, was it ten and three at one at one point. But the thing is though is that just kind of like Illinois, Northwestern has a hard time trying to find their scoring. You know we sat there at um, it Bat thirteen what was the name of the club seventeen right Bat, bat 17? seventeen yeah Bat seventeen yeah in, in Evanston, great sandwiches. Right? So we were there at at uh, at that bar in Evanston after Northwestern got their ass kicked by Ohio State. And there was Chris talking about McCall, the offensive coordinator, right? How is Mike, uh, Mick McCall still there as an offensive coordinator? That's a major issue. McCall's past six offenses have averaged an S&P plus ranking of 95th. That just that can't do. And so the loyalty of Fitzgerald is there because he's not firing coaches left and right to try to make the program better. Well, they brought in a new offensive coordinator this year. So they've got um, Mike Bajakian. So he's going to come in. He came in from Boston College where he led Boston College to have the best rushing attack in the ACC. So he comes in. So the offense should look better. The question is going to be, you hope. do they have the personnel to have that offense look better? So against Maryland, probably. They're an 11.5-point favorite against Maryland. It's a good game for Northwestern to get started against. So they should be able to win this game against one of the bo- the, the bottom feeders of the Big Ten in Maryland. So... I think that, you know, with this all comes with time, right? You've got the coordinator there. He's going to implement a system. Now you have to have the 
personnel to implement this system. Their defense should still be good, but it's they just need to score more points, and hopefully bringing in a new offensive coordinator and a new system will lead to that. It's just a matter of how often were these guys allowed to practice, how are familiar are they with this scheme, can they implement it on the field, all that stuff. But I think today against Maryland, they should be able to you know work on some things and work out some of the kinks in that uh, in that offense and trying to get that scheme rolling. So last year for Northwestern, they go three and nine on the season. They go one and eight in the conference. Uh, They did not play Maryland last season. Their three wins against UNLV, against UMass, and against Illinois. They won that game at the end of the season 29-10. You guys documented it. It, it, The offense was the issue. The offense has been the issue for Northwestern for a couple of uh, years now. Mick McCall let go at the end of the season. New system. You're right. And we'll see how this goes. The one thing that I continually always bring up when we look at Northwestern football is Northwestern football is nice because they're competitive most seasons. Their defense is, it keeps them in the ball games. Keeps them in the ball games, mm-hmm. but they kind of fly under the radar. There's not a lot of uh, eyeballs in conversation about Northwestern football either getting to the next level or paying attention to the lack of success that Fitzgerald has had in Evanston because why? They have a, a beautiful campus. They have new uh, uh, buildings, sure. infrastructure, and, and they're a clean program. So he gets credit for all of that. They just don't win football games. And if you want to argue about it, look back at the losing streak that they had in the middle of last season. I mean, they, they only win three games last year. For the talent that they have bringing in to Evanston and that campus, they should be a better football team. And I get it. If you want to compare uh, Northwestern to the powers of the Big Ten, they're probably never going to compete with Ohio State on a yearly basis. But they shouldn't be in the basement. And so I I think that's where we have to look at this season. The conversation about Northwestern is Pat Fitzgerald needs to bounce back. You're 15. You win three games last season. You have to win at least half of your games this season. Or else we need to have the conversation is the program really going in the right direction? Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you look at their schedule, like they should beat Maryland, Iowa, Nebraska, they should win. No, I don't know. Purdue, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Minnesota, and Illinois. So this is a tough schedule this year. Again, you know, Fitzgerald, I don't think they're ever going to get rid of Fitzgerald. Like that's not the issue. I don't, I don't think they're ever okay, going to get rid so, of him. So, again, this is the conversation we had last year on the program. What What is Northwestern football? Like, what are Northwestern fans looking for in this football team? Jonathan, like, when, like okay, are you cool with the three wins and, and you're just happy that they, they compete in games? Like, is that, and you're, you're cool that college game day makes the jokes that the grass is taller at Ryan Field. So, so then fast teams that come to Northwestern play a little bit slower for that, that tough matchup. Like, what is the, the goal for Northwestern football? I would imagine it's competing to try and get to the Rose Bowl each year, right? Yeah, you want to be one of the upper echelon teams. You won't mm-hmm. be Ohio State. You won't no. be Michigan. So, but you have to be able to get check some kind of box, I think, in the Big Ten. And the idea that there's no expectations. See, you can skate like this when there's no expectations. Right. This show is the hardest show on Northwestern. Out of the whole station, no one talks and tells the truth about Northwestern like this show. Because, I mean, the numbers are what they are. They need to be better. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of like Illinois in that same way. The defense is solid, though. The numbers say that their numbers are solid defensively. Point is, though, is that there has to be higher expectations than saying, hey, we were out there and we lost by five or six, so pat us on the head. You get, your expectations has to be higher. Their recruiting's got to get better. 
That's, so that's how I look at it for sure. Howard Griffith from the Big Ten Network uh, asked him on Cap and Jay Hood how Northwestern's offense can improve. Peyton Ramsey's going to be the starter quarterback for him this year. He's coming over from Indiana, who kind of saw the writing on the wall there. Michael Penix is going to be Indiana's starting quarterback, has some issues as far as staying healthy. But Peyton has done some unbelievable things uh, when he was able to play at Indiana, talking about delivering the football, getting it out, and really helping that team win a lot of those games. Uh, over the last couple of years. So that gives them a shot. Uh, they've got a new offensive coordinator who's more of an RPO guy, so maybe they can you know, start to get more explosive. That, that's what they have to do. The one thing about Fitz, though, is he's never had back-to-back down years. That just, for whatever reason, doesn't happen in that program. Uh, making a switch at offensive coordinator seems to have energized a lot of the players uh, in that locker room. So it's going to be interesting to see. But, you know, it's one of those things that if you don't have the, the quarterback play you need at the college level, a difference maker, you're not going to win many football games. And they couldn't get that done last year. And it really showed from an offensive standpoint. So some thoughts there for uh, from Howard Griffith regarding Northwestern. But it's so right, Adam. Just, you know, when we take a look at their schedule, number one Northwestern schedule, you know, you want them to be able to give you more than just one upset. You want them to be able to give you a couple of games where you say, okay, here's where we are in the Big Ten. But, you know, and again, it's about expectations. It's a winnable game against Michigan State, who's down. Purdue, down. Uh, Maryland, that's a winnable game tonight at 630 on the Big Ten Network. And it's a photo finish, a flip of the coin against Illinois. You should be able to get at least four wins on the surface from this particular schedule. Yeah, and they get a home game against Wisconsin where the grass is taller. So they maybe well, they maybe they upset Wisconsin. See, you there. know, you know that that's a maybe thing. Maybe they upset Every Wisconsin year, there. Maybe you they know that's a thing. Upset alert uh, when Wisconsin comes to town on November 21st. So the Big 10 is back and we're definitely happy about that because now we start to see the Pac-12 right around the corner. They will return and then the college football puzzle will be complete. Some thoughts from Kirk Herbstreet from Sports Center talking about the Big Ten's late start is an advantage. It may sound strange, but I think there's some advantages in the fact that they've been practicing for 10 weeks. Think about that. that that's like having two training camps that you would have in August. And I think it allows the freshmen really to have a, be in a position to be able to contribute um, and, and be a little bit further along in week one than they would be under a normal set of circumstances where, you know, you have three weeks of camp and, and you get ready to break and, and you see if they're ready to respond or not. So, I, you know, I, I think obviously a disadvantage when it comes to everybody else who's been playing ball and having a chance to show people who they are, but an advantage when it comes to relying on some of the younger players to have a lot of reps against good on good and really finding out where they are and how much they can really help Chris, do you buy that, that the Big Ten has an advantage over a lot of teams because they're starting late? I do not. Uh, This is why. Uh, When the ACC, Big 12, SEC all all kicked off, we've seen upsets. And we've seen teams that were supposed to just crush other weaker opponents within the conference either lose outright or it's a really tight game. So I, I think what we'll see here with the Big Ten, and we're already seeing it here early on, the first 27 minutes of Saturday action from the Big Ten is Ohio State. Everyone says Ohio State's in the conversation with Clemson and Alabama, right, for the best team of the con- country. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now they're tied 7-7 with Nebraska in the first quarter of that game. So, I mean, I don't know if they'll really have 
the upper hand there. And, and then add into the fact that if there's any delay to any of these games, they're eliminating the game as a no contest within Big Ten play. So you may not even get to your eight conference games if you have a COVID-19 related uh, postponement. So I don't think it's an advantage. I think the advantage would have been playing with the rest of the teams. And I get it. After this weekend, we're going to see some W's put up by teams in the Big Ten. And then they're going to pop back up in the top 25 rankings. But I don't think it's an advantage. No, not at all. I agree with you. I think that the biggest disadvantage is, yeah, they practice a lot. Okay, cool. But a lot of teams practice a lot. We don't know how much tackling they were doing in practice. We saw what BYU did to Navy earlier this year and just manhandling that team. But you look at... Ohio State's schedule, right? If they miss one of their big games, if they miss the game next week against Penn State for some reason, for a COVID-related reason, if they miss the game against Michigan, like they're going to have to put up showboat-type points for the college football committee to consider them should they miss a game, right? If they miss a game or they lose, if they lose a game, it's over. But if they miss a game, then you've got to look to the committee and say, look, with, with the seven games or six games or whatever that Ohio State played plus a college plus a Big Ten championship, does the eye test show you that even though they didn't play as many games, are they still one of the best teams in football? Because you've packed that in with maybe an undefeated Pac-12 team, and then you're looking at it, okay, eye test. Which undefeated Big Ten or Pac-12 team looks better? Because as of right now, you're going to have Alabama, you're going to have Clemson in there for sure, right? We're probably not going to get a Big 12 school in the, in the college football playoff. And that's why, that's the thing. With Ohio State, it's college football playoff or bust because they were the ones that were pounding the desk so hard when the season was canceled originally because they know they can win a national championship with the team that they've assembled this year. Well, they think they can. They think they can. But but any any slip-up, and they might not even be considered. So, no, this isn't an advantage because you can't screw up. Right. You can't. Yeah. The other thing is, too, is we talked about with uh, Illinois, you want your tomato cans first, right, yeah. to get yourself ready. I mean, you listen, it's, it's great for us as college football fans that you start with conference first because now you're getting what is considered main event top shelf matchups early. Yeah. But the point is, though, for some college teams, they need that non-conference to be able to get the figure out who is great for the rotation, who you can trust, all that. So that way you have momentum going into the conference play. You don't have that immediately going to conference play. It's great for us as college football fans, but for coaches, it's like, well, we got to prepare like much sooner. Those are their preseason games. They need those. Yeah, you got to get you got you want that momentum, but you don't have it now. Mm -hmm. It's good for us. Well, we talk about how every year there's a school that has that like that big kickoff game, right? Yeah, like it's been Michigan, Alabama. It's been USC, Alabama before we see like Oregon, Auburn, like those big kickoff games. Those schools put themselves at risk because as soon as you as soon as you lose that game, your season might be over from the first game. Now you've got a chance the entire season to redeem yourself, and you're like, well, now they're a different team than they were at the beginning. But a lot of these teams that schedule non conference games to begin their season or you look at like Northwestern and Maryland like the Northwestern's got an easy game even though not in the conversation but still like Ohio State should be up more on Nebraska is it because they didn't have the non-conference game to start with is it because that they, are they you pressing know? because they know they have to put up a spot Absolutely. because they see what Clemson's doing each and every week exactly you know and, and I would also say this from a player standpoint uh if someone tests positive for COVID-19 and you're a player you have to be out for 21 days right I mean, and then and then you get reincorporated with That's the team. So you're out, the season. right? Exactly. So like the Big Ten has some pretty tight uh, COVID nineteen protocols in place for this, 
it's going to be tough to to suggest that they are better off competing wise you know health and safety probably they're the best set up for this but competing with the other teams i don't think that this puts them at an advantage somewhat of a positive with that is is that you have expanded rosters there are no red shirts but you don't know if those red shirts are ready to play on right. that level like your top level guys are ready but just because you have expanded rosters doesn't necessarily mean that those guys that normally wouldn't play can be able to help you and pay dividends we'll go around week eight of college football with brad edwards and give you a scoreboard next ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is Chicago's College Tailgate Show with Jay Hood, Black, and Abdallah. The CCT Scoreboard on ESPN 1000. Here's Chris Black, Chris. Thank you, Jonathan. We take a look at the top 25 scoreboard. Clemson up 17-0 on Syracuse with 425 left in the first quarter. Ohio State just scored. It's 14-7 over Nebraska. Four minutes left in the first quarter of that contest. Other scores in the top 25, North Carolina up 7-0 on North Carolina State. A minute left in the first quarter. Kansas State up 7-0 on Kansas. Nine minutes left in the first quarter. And the other top 25 matchup right now, Coastal Carolina up 7-0 over Georgia Southern with three minutes left in the first quarter. That's right. Coastal Carolina ranked the number 25th team in the country and that's the top 25 scoreboard right here on chicago's college tailgate glad that you're with us here for chicago's college tailgate on espn with downs along with chris bleck and adam abdallah jonathan hood with you so glad you're with us by the way the chanticleers now watch out now myrtle beach's own coastal carolina very good until the big 10 is mixed back into uh the top 25 right oh coastal carolina you know they can be part of the big 10 <laughs> just pay. hang the banner you need that myrtle beach market as hang we go the banner. to brad edwards <laughs> we were 25th once brad edwards covers college football like a blanket for espn.com he joins us on the corona hotline brad jonathan adam and chris thanks so much for your time oh happy to join you guys and by the way just a little public service announcement it's, it's actually pronounced chanticleers not chanticleers i'm from chicago uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I just say if you have any of those folks in your area, you don't you don't want to get them on your back. You know? so actually, they're 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 happy. Everyone's talking about them. All right, pardon my Midwestern accent. <laughs> Brad, I want I want to get your thoughts about last night's game. We were talking. That's how we opened the show, talking about Wisconsin and Illinois. Uh, Mertz looked really good. Uh, Illinois once again struggling offensively. What was your uh, reaction to that game yesterday? Well, I have to confess, even though I am a college football person by trade, I'm also a lifelong Dodgers fan, and I was far more engaged in the Dodgers game at the moment. Uh, I flipped back and forth and and saw a little bit, and then, of course, uh, it it didn't take too long before you were convinced that uh, Illinois wasn't coming back. So um, I I can't say I saw as much of Graham Mertz as uh, I would have liked to. I saw his stats in the box score, which were – Really impressive. Um, I saw a couple of the touchdown passes to the tight end. Um, but, um, look, I, I mean, you, you could take it one of two ways. One is that, man, uh, this, this might be the, the first time that Wisconsin has had a, a really dynamic quarterback since Russell Wilson. Uh, or, if you want to be pessimistic, you could say, you know what, even with that, they still had a hard time getting the running game going against what's clearly not one of the better defenses they're going to face this year. So, you, you could look at it either way and be either excited or a little bit uh, a little bit dreadful about the season if you're a Wisconsin fan. Um, on the Illinois side, you know, I, I do think it's got to be disappointing that they weren't really able to, to generate much offensively. 
Um, you, you probably weren't expecting to win the game, but I think that was the area that was, uh, you know, that was the toughest to, to take is, uh, is, is, I mean, outside of, outside of a little bit of running is how poor the, the quarterback play was. So um, not a lot to, uh, to really take away from that if you're, if you're an Illini fan and, and, and really get excited about the rest of the season. Ohio State up 14-7 to right now on Nebraska. Uh, do you think Ohio State is going to be in a position where they never take their foot off the gas just in case there's any doubt that they should not be included in the college football playoff? Yeah, I think uh, there's every reason to play that way uh, for the entirety of, of the eight games or nine games, whatever you know it ends up being, assuming they get to play them all. And, and you know, that's another reason to do it is it? You don't know, given the you know the Big Ten guidelines, whether they'll even play every game. And and the smaller the sample, uh, the less margin for error there is. And so I think they would be wise to just keep the pedal down. On top of that, though, I, I was having a discussion uh, a couple of days ago about Clemson, and you know and you know how bad they beat Georgia Tech last week, and obviously they're going to you know put a, a big number up on Syracuse today. And uh, if you're Clemson, I, I think that you should continue to do that because you remember last year. We're coming down the home stretch. It was such a big deal. Who was going to get that number one seed? You know, between LSU and Ohio State, Clemson wasn't really in the discussion at that time, but it was obvious that there were three teams that were a level above everyone else, and two of them were going to have to play each other in a semifinal. One was going to get, well, I don't know if we call it a bye, but certainly a much easier draw in the semifinal. And between Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State, it seems like we could have the same situation again this year. So if I'm any of those teams, I'm going out there and I am trying to look like the best team in the country every single Saturday for four full quarters because at the end of the day, you want that number one seed from the selection committee so you're only having to win one tough game in the playoff, not two of them. When we look at last Saturday night, Alabama and Georgia, it was a close game in the first half. In the second half, Alabama shut out the Bulldogs' offense, and they ran away with the game. When we look at Georgia's future for the rest of this season, what did last Saturday night's game mean to them? Yeah, I don't think you should take too much away from it defensively. I think they're the best defense in college football, and I think they're going to show that for the rest of the regular season. But the question is, as you know, look, I think you could also go back and look at that and say they didn't play that poorly defensively. Alabama just has that many playmakers that are difficult to stop. And, and the same thing's going to be true if you play Clemson or if you play Ohio State. So the question for Georgia, whether this is about winning the SEC championship game if, in a rematch with Alabama if they get there, or whether it's about winning the playoff if they get there, it's – how can you go out and hang 40 on one of those teams? Because that's what it's going to take to win. And the question that Kirby Smart had to start asking this week as he was in a bye and then looking ahead to the, to the coming weeks is, does he have a quarterback on his roster that gives them a better chance of doing that? And, and I don't know what the answer to that is. But if he feels like that, hey, you know what, that, that maybe our ceiling offensively is higher with someone else, with a JT Daniels or Dewan Mathis and their quarterback instead, then I'm not saying you make a change right away because I don't think Stetson Bennett has done anything to deserve being yanked out of the out of the offense at this point. But I think you need to start giving some looks to someone else, allow that person to get some reps at, at you know certain important stages of the game, um, and see what they can do because. Look, as, as much as you can say, yeah, look, he, he's an inexperienced quarterback. His receivers are mostly inexperienced. There's a lot of the offense you know, that has room to grow at Georgia. 
I still don't look at Stetson Bennett and say he's a guy who can go head-to-head in a duel with a Mac Jones or a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields. And so if you're at Georgia, your goal is to win the whole thing. It has to be, given the way that you've recruited and how close you've been in recent years. And so I think that's kind of where you go from here. It's, it, is, there an, is there another answer offensively? And if there is, you know, start to take some looks at someone else at quarterback and see what happens. Brett Edwards from ESPN, a college football analyst, with Jonathan Adam and Chris on Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Brad, what does what do the numbers say about Michigan against Minnesota? It's very interesting this matchup. Uh, I uh, I'm looking forward to it tonight. Oh yeah, this is going to be a fun one, um, and especially um, you know given the question at quarterback for for Michigan. You know, that, that you after so many years of having a pretty good idea of, of what you had, and, you, you know, with Che Patterson coming in, like you'd seen him play at Ole Miss, you had a pretty good idea of what Michigan was getting. And now with Milton, uh, I don't know. I, it, it'll be exciting to see. And, of course, Michigan has quite a few questions to answer at other positions as well. So um, that makes it intriguing because you, you go in with the assumption that they have more talent overall than Minnesota. But at the same time, I, I think it's hard to argue that the two most dynamic offensive players in this game aren't on Minnesota's side uh, with Tanner Morgan and Rashad Bateman. So uh, th- that, to me, makes this game really fun. I know Minnesota's got its own, uh, its own issues with having to replace guys on defense, which, uh, which you know, could make it a higher-scoring type game. We'll, we'll wait and see. What we do know is that if, if Michigan loses this opener, you know, people are going to look at – at Jim Harbaugh is a guy who uh, started in 2015 going up against P.J. Fleck, who started at Minnesota two years later. And if, if the verdict after tonight is that Minnesota's program is ahead of Michigan's program, it's a very fair question to ask why. How could that possibly be that in less time uh, a, a coach at Minnesota has been able to do more than the coach at Michigan did? And, and so uh, that's where this conversation is going to head if the result goes a certain way tonight. But, but at least, you know, for the rest of today, we'll look forward to what I think should be a pretty fun, competitive game. Brad, we're glad you spent some time with us in Chicago. All the best to your Dodgers. It's been a long time since the late 80s for you. <laughs> it has. It was my senior year of high school. was the, the old <laughs> Kurt Gibson uh, game one and then everything that followed. So it's, it's been a long wait. Thank you, Brad, as always. All right. See you guys. It's Brad Edwards, college football analyst for ESPN with us on Chicago's College Tailgate. You know, uh, off of what Brad just said about Minnesota, Michigan, Mm -hmm. the last time Michigan won 11 games was 2011. Minnesota won 11 games last season. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, think about the perspective of the two schools and what they mean to college football and the lack of high level success at Michigan. And Minnesota's already right there. This is a big game tonight. Listen, we're going to talk gambling in about 15 minutes, but Jonathan, I told you last week when we were sitting here, I said Minnesota's a point-and-a-half favorite Yeah, right now when the line came out, and now they're a three-point dog. So we saw exactly what we predicted last Saturday. Mm-hmm. Like, if you, want, if you want Michigan, jump on this early. If you want Minnesota, hold off a minute yeah. <laughs> right. because Mi- Mi- Michigan backers are going to come in. There might not be 100,000 at the big house because they're all sitting at home pressing send on gamble right. on, uh, the, uh, on their app so they can gamble on, on Michigan tonight. So I think that it's, it's super telling the line where it came out, where Vegas thinks it is, yeah. and where the public is going. Last so, time Michigan lost at Minnesota, 1977. Yeah. Uh, 
you know what's so interesting about this, like what Adam just said, right, Chris? It's like, oh, it's game week. We're a dog. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. There's no way. Still like Minnesota. Nonetheless, we will we'll see. It's interesting, isn't it? It's it's interesting to to Chris's point how razor thin that is. How is it that Michigan coming in on on the road going to TCF Bank is just a three and a half point favorite? Why is it that it's based on what you just talked about? Well, we the also, lack of success. Yeah, lack of success. Quarterback play, which has uh, plagued Michigan over the last couple of years. Uh, they said that Joe Milton has been running with the ones in uh, practice this week. They won't. They haven't announced an official starter, but it seems like Joe Milton is the guy. Yeah. Last year, when Shea Patterson uh, was heading out of the Michigan program, uh, Joe Gaddis talked about how they need to find a new leader. So Milton took it upon himself in the off season to take leadership classes. So we'll see how that transforms this offense. But I mean, listen, they—that's where you have to look. And uh, Coach Khaki used to be the guy who was the see, quarterback whisperer, and it seems like he's continued to have problems finding a quarterback in Michigan. And that's a great point too, because you and I talked to PJ Fleck in person at friend of the show at, at, at the Final Four, right? Yes. And row the boat. After that, mm-hmm. I wanted—I called Minnesota to see if I had eligibility. Yeah. Just because that, like, that's a dude you want to play for. Yeah. Like, he, he's amped all the time. He's on 11 all the time. Harbaugh's in your backyard trying to have a sleepover, trying to have recruits, and, like, he's trying all this weird stuff, whereas, like, Minnesota, P.J. Fleck, all he has to do is sit down in your living room with the fat tie knot, and you, the fat tie knot. Oh, he's yeah. got a fat tie knot. Yeah, he's got a, a fat tie hell knot. Hell of a tie job there. Hell of a tie job. Great tie. Great jacket on uh, on, on, uh, on uh, Do you see him game today? day earlier. But the point is, like, who, which coach, if you're sitting down in your living room, are you more likely to go play for right now? Well, the answer is P.J. Flood. Well, here, here's the difference, right? One is just meandering all around, right? The conversation you can't really follow. The other, pinpoint efficiency mm-hmm. and, and right to the point of exactly what he wants from his program. You guys are too young to remember, but I swear Harbaugh was not like that as a player. I was as a producer. <laughs> listening, tells me. Listening, to that, I, listening to that sound. I remember watching him. Bro, no, no, bro. Like like the long-form thoughts of Harbaugh was salient, Me, solid. Meandering now. But as a coach, I don't know what that is. I, I swear he was not like that when he was a Chicago Bear. <laughs> so speaking of uh, meandering, meandering thoughts, the thoughts from Jim Harbaugh, oh, the no. head coach. Of Michigan. Expectations for this year, Jim? I really like the the talent level on the team. I love the competitive nature of the team. And that is a team, you know, that, uh, oh, no. you know, as I said, nothing more important than oneness. And, and I really feel like uh, oh. this team is, is, <laughs> is, is uh, you know, at a championship level in terms of that. Uh, I want to see a team that uh, oh. you know, goes out there on Saturday night and is, is flying around, running to the ball, oh. uh, you know, playing smart and uh, and having at it, you know, because uh, as I said before, I mean, okay. especially in a first game uh, where some guys haven't played, uh, you know, they're talented, you know, they're really competitive. And, and so you put those talented, competitive guys out there and see what happens. <laughs> All right. Ah! More college football talk is right around the corner. Chicago's College Tailgate Show. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Ah! 
We will put money in your pocket coming up at 12 o'clock. The opportunity for you to key in on some of the big games from a sports gambling standpoint for week eight in college football. Chicago's college tailgate, Jonathan Adam and Chris with you. Follow us on Twitter at ESPN1000CCT. Um, I'll ask you, by the way, we turn now to Tyler Aki. Tyler, big Syracuse fan, is uh, Clemson is leading Syracuse 17 to 7. Tyler, do you have the insight on how much how much Syracuse gets paid for this game? Usually, you know, when you are down program, you get a, a check. What's the check? What's Syracuse getting to get paid for this? Uh, let's see. Dino, however much his buyout is, I think I heard it's around 17 million, so they're just trying to cut into that number bit by bit this week. East Coast Media Elite. Tyler that, that first quarter uh that first quarter spread cashed Barely. One thing they Barely. do well, special teams. They blocked a punt. Okay. It's just it's something it's, it's something else. I'll tell you what. That is amazing. Dino Baber is not a hot name, hot coaching name anymore? I would say no. Only in the film oh. room for the national championship game, he's a hot name. Eating all the pizza. Uh, some thoughts now from Desmond Howard. You know, we're keeping our eyes on Ohio State and their game against <laughs> Nebraska. The biggest concern for Ohio State, Des, is... The biggest concern is who's going to play running back, who's going to replace J.K. Dobbins. I mean, he was a phenomenal running back, over 2,000 yards, average over six yards per carry. And when Justin Fields struggles, Greeny, don't forget Ryan Day is a brilliant play caller. J.K. Dobbins is the guy they leaned on very heavily. I mean, they just give it to him, and he can break long runs. Guy who's built low to the ground but had enough breakaway speed that linebackers and safeties, they couldn't catch him. So how are they going to replace the productivity of J.K. Dobbins is is, is one of the biggest issues I have. I know that Justice Fields is an incredible talent, but they don't have the running back behind them this year that they had in 2019. That's great, but what about the Jets? All right, coming up, we'll give you a CCT scoreboard and also put money in your pocket right here. This is Chicago's College Tailgate Show with Jay Hood, Black, and Abdallah. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Now, back to more. ESPN 1000 Chicago College Tailgate Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. 1000. The CCT Scoreboard on ESPN 1000. Here's Chris Black. Chris? Clemson's up 17-7 on Syracuse early in the second quarter. Ohio State, Nebraska tied at 14. Eight minutes left in the second quarter. Upset alert on that one. North Carolina up 14-0 on North Carolina State. Nine minutes left in the second quarter. Kansas State's up 10-0 on Kansas in the second. And Coastal Carolina up 14-7 on Georgia Southern. Eight minutes left in the second quarter, and that's a top 25 scoreboard right here on Chicago's College Tailgate. Let's put some money in your pocket here on Chicago's College Tailgate, brought to you by Four Winds Casino, along with Adam Abdallah and Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you, building a bridge to Notre Dame football as they take on Pitt. That is a 1.30 pregame, a 2.30 kick right here on the home of the Irish ESPN 1000. Kenny White is a sports analyst, is the CEO of KennyWhiteSports.com. As we have our conversation, go to KennyWhiteSports.com. Kenny joins us here on Chicago's College Tailgate. Kenny, as always, we appreciate your time here in Chicago. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Uh, glad to see the Big Ten back here, and uh, we're going to get some other conferences, Pac-12, 
back next week, which is nice. So we're getting a, you're going to have to run. A, you're going to have a little more time for the top twenty five scoreboard next week. Yes, that's no question. Of, no question about that. Uh, you know, obviously here in the Midwest, we look forward to the Big Ten returning, uh, especially from a gambling standpoint. And here we are with Michigan and Minnesota. Let's start there. I think that's the, one of the marquee games of the day. How do you see that game in Minneapolis? Yeah, it should be a really good game. Uh, John Harbaugh has been uh, uh, a guy that's been under scrutiny, but he's done a nice job, I think, in Michigan. He just can't get over the hump with Ohio State. But that being said, P.J. Fleck has done an amazing job uh, at Minnesota. I think he's got so many weapons back on both sides of the football. Uh, this, this should be a really solid football game. I think it's going to be a close. Obviously, the betting line's three. That's exactly what I made it. Um, I was interested in the total um, early, like like the game under the total, but that number's now moved from 55 down to 52 and a half in spots. So if you if you see it a little bit higher than that, I think there might be a, a nice spot for the under. It's going to be very cold there, no wind, but I think this is just such a big game for both teams to start the season uh, early on with no snaps. The continuity may not be there on offense and. Uh, both teams are really stacked on defense. Michigan obviously going to start a freshman. Uh, Milton, at quarterback, so it'll be fun to watch him play in this football game. Uh, but under would be my suggestion in that game. We're walking you up to Notre Dame and Pitt uh, later this afternoon, a pregame at 1.30 here on ESPN 1000. Hmm. Notre Dame is a 9.5-point favorite. They did not play well against Louisville, winning that game 12-7. to They didn't really play that well against Florida State, winning 4-2 to 26. Uh, how do you see this game against with uh, number three-ranked Notre Dame and Pitt? Yeah, kind of easy to over or underestimate your opponents sometime. I think that's what they did with Florida State, but they made a quarterback change and played well. And Louisville's not a bad football team, uh, they, and they played a really tough schedule. So this Notre Dame team is uh, very, very good. I, I have them rated number six in the country right now. Uh, the key to the game, I think, is Kenny Pickett for Pittsburgh is going to be out once again. Uh, it really hurts this uh, the quarterback situation. you got a redshirt freshman. Uh, trying to go into South Bend and win a game, but I think that's going to be awfully tough. Their offense, you know, is not a high-flying offense. It's a power run game, so um, Notre Dame knows what they got to do. Stop the run and, and force the freshman Joey Yellen to beat him. Don't think he can. That Pittsburgh defense is amazing. Uh, had them rated number 10 in the country uh, out of the 130 teams coming into the season. And uh, they kind of failed me a little bit the last two weeks. You up 31 to Boston College and 31 to Miami, so... Uh, and as I said, they weren't going into South Bend. They're not. They're actually playing in Pittsburgh. So maybe a, li- a little bit of a, a better advantage for the quarterback playing at home. But uh, don't like what the defense has given up the last couple of weeks. They give up 30 to North Carolina State. I think you'll see a better uh, effort from the defense today. Um, and I think that offense will try to keep the ball, you know, away from Notre Dame's offense and try to run, grind out the clock. And uh, their best their best defense might be just keeping uh, Ian Book off the field. But I don't think they can do it. Um, the, the spread right now is 10. Surprising it came down, even with Pickett being out. Um, I, I think Notre Dame wins the game here, um, and I think they win by a couple touchdowns. Top 25 matchup in the Big 12. Oklahoma State is the number six team in the country, the 3-0, and and probably the best chance for the uh, Big 12 to get into the college football playoff. They are hosting Iowa State. How should we play this matchup? Well, you got to know that uh, their, their starting quarterback will be back this week, uh, uh, Spencer Sanders, and he is a uh, he's a good one. Uh, last year, 63% completions through 16 touchdowns. He did have 11 interceptions, but he's just a redshirt sophomore. I think he'll take care of the ball better. Uh, he knows this offense. They were expected to be a very high-scoring football team. 
Um, with it, with him out getting hurt in the first game against Tulsa, they got 16 points and just 27 the next week against West Virginia. But they did put up 47 against Kansas. No big deal. That's a that's a horrible defense. But with Sanders back, I think they open up the offense. Uh, I think that the, they've been they've been a run first team without Sanders. I think they could become more of a 50-50 split team. Uh, Iowa State's offense is great. Purdy's one of the better quarterbacks in the conference. Uh, the defense has really not done it for me for Iowa State. I, I think this one's going to be a, a fun one to watch. 53, are you kidding me in this total? Um, <laughs> both these teams could get into the 30s here. So my play is going to be over in Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Kenny White from KennyWhiteSports.com. Go to the website. Kenny joins us. Jonathan, Adam, and Chris on Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. I um. I'm a little bit concerned, not concerned, I'm just I'm not sure which way to go with Alabama-Tennessee. I'm really underwhelmed by their quarterback play, Kenny. The Tennessee, Alabama, I see it here at 23 uh, as far as them being a, a favorite in this game. How do you see this with Alabama going to Neyland? Yeah, yeah, I was on Twitter last year early in the year when uh, uh, Jeremy Pruitt went to uh, Brian Maurer uh, over over Derek Gonatano, and I said, this is a three-point drop-off, man. I got hammered by the Tennessee fans saying that Maurer is the better quarterback, and I was way off on that. As it as it panned out, I was the one that was correct. As Maurer started to struggle, he lost his confidence. He was a true freshman, and Gonatano led that team to a, to a bowl game. Uh, but you're right. There's some struggles there. There's question marks with Garitano. Um and, and Saban doesn't lose to his former assistant. This is a great Alabama team. You always think about letdown in situations in college football. Uh, but Alabama, a team with a, with a redshirt junior quarterback in Matt Jones, a head coach in Nick Saban, uh, this program doesn't let down. And I think that they come with everything they got early in this football game. I think the play to play the game is Alabama in the first half. I think you've got to lay like 14 in the first half. Um, I think they cover it easily. I think that they're going to – come out ready as i said there'll be no letdown they're just too good programs that let down have young quarterbacks and young coaches that just don't get prepared alabama doesn't let down so i think they have a big lead early in this football game as i'm scrolling through the gambling board today and i scroll all the way to the bottom not one not two but three post nine o'clock kickoffs tonight in the central time zone anything for our late night chasers whether it's texas state byu air force san jose state or unlv san diego state yeah, you know, I, I, BYU's been a team I've loved all year, but they've kind of played to the level of the competition a couple of games this year, and they've got a couple injuries on defense. Texas State likes to play fast. Um, my number is right there on that one. I did lean to the over, but it's gone up a couple points. Um, UNLV had new brand-new coach, uh, Arroyo, stepping in for his first college coaching job. That's always difficult to do. That game's not being played in San Diego. It's being played in Carson, California at the Charger Stadium they played in last year. Um, San Diego fans, I don't know how they'll travel for their college team. Um, might be a fairly – I don't actually it's in California, so there's no fans anyway. So mm-hmm. no home field. They got a brand-new coach, Brady Hopes, their new guy. So a lot of question marks in those games. The, the one game I would say is Air Force. Uh, they do have a game under their belt. They looked extremely solid in their first game. Uh, would have loved it that they had their starting quarterback back, but he was suspended is out for the year, Donald Hammond. But, you know, this offense really is clicking on all cylinders. With San Jose, I like what they've done the last couple of years, but without a game, I think that's advantage Air Force here. And uh, I think the Falcons are a nice play. Even laying seven and a half, I actually made the Falcons 14 in that game. Penn State's a team at the top of the big 
10 that's uh, really being overshadowed, in my opinion. They're on the road uh, today against Indiana as a six-point road favorite. What do you think of that matchup? Well, I love Penn State's team. When I rated them out back in March, started going through the numbers and the players they had returning, and um, I really love what James Franklin's done with the program. Uh, he has, he's done an outstanding job. Uh, uh, Allen's done a great job at Indiana, don't get me wrong, but I, he's, he's not there the level of players yet. Penn State's had 26 players, I believe, drafted in the last five years. Iowa's had maybe 10. Uh, it's a difference in talent level still. And when you start to look at the numbers and break down, you know, how Indiana has played against top 25 teams, well, Allen's 0-11 and just 4-7 and in ATS in those contests. Uh, Penn State definitely not just the top 25 team. They're a top five team, I think. They're uh, that loaded this year with talent, well coached, uh, going out on the road. They'll be ready to play this football game. Um, I think early in the year advantage, first game of the year, too, with no games. Uh, it, it, it's an advantage to the better team, which showed last night with Wisconsin definitely over the, over the Illini. Um, I don't know if it's not going to be that big of a route today, but I think Penn State wins by a couple touchdowns over Indiana. Kenny, we just want to reach out to you because the Big Ten season's back, and we want to get your thoughts. So thanks so much for coming on, as always. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. Have a great weekend. All right. It is uh, Kenny White. You can follow him on Twitter, by the way, at KWhitey. Uh, Vegas, K Whitey Vegas is where you can find Kenny White on uh, Twitter. Jonathan, Adam, and Chris right with you on Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. The three of us know, and Eric knows it, and Tyler knows this as well. Five of us know that um, that is five. Yes, yes. Uh, that it is. It, we know that when it comes to college football, there's nothing like the passionate college football fan. I mean, really passionate, right? Over the top passionate. You know, in the South. You get a situation where your team loses and the whole town shuts down for the next six days until the next game, right? Mm-hmm. That happens all the time, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's nothing like a Southern college football fan. An eight-hour post-game show. An eight-hour post-game show just wondering, how can we get better? Here's a little flavor of that here on CCT. <laughs> Guys, the real problem is... Never should have brought Fulmer back as athletic director, and then we'd be going this bullshit right now. For some reason, our dumbass coach thinks you can still win with Freddie Kitchens out there in today's football, and you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do the that. The guy who picked Garantano off from the second interception pointed at his face as he was running into the end zone. He literally pointed at him like he was he was making fun of him. It was ridiculous. Until we get a clean house over there, it ain't going to get no better. This thing's they can't afford to give Jerry Pruden another year. I know they need money. Uh, they're they're strapped financially. I don't think you can afford to keep Jerry Pruden after this year. Hey, hey, Philly, when Ramel Keaton kicked that guy in the nuts, that's the damnedest thing I've seen on a football field out of a losing football team. You don't you don't you don't behave like that. There's just no place for that. This is worse than Georgia State. It's way worse. I mean, this is the worst uh, ass whipping in Tennessee football history because Kentucky is a sack of shit. Yes, they, they are. Go to Cody in Bentonville. Hey, Cody, I know you're happy. How are you? Oh, yes, sir. (laughs) That's our first Ric Flair tonight. Yes, sir. Ric Flair drip. Hey, (laughs) man, I I don't, there's nothing else to say. I'm getting happy. I'm doing this a lot more, calling in. Not a whole lot to say. I can't tell Tim Pittman what to do. None of us can. He knows what he's doing, obviously. Um, Beyond ecstatic beyond proud 
just so happy, man. We needed this. Just completely mind-boggling. Big Mike. Hey, Big Mike, what's up? Well, it's a lot more fun hoping your team holds on to a 20 to nothing lead and hope you can come back to 20 to nothing down, ain't it? You got that right, my friend. Morris, he, he can't, he, oh, I can't, he couldn't coach no two and three star players. You know, he shouldn't have come here because that's what our stuff gets. This old guy, he can coach two and three stars. And by God, we can kick some butt with it. That's all I got to say. And I love all y'all. I love this dang state. Bob is in Lafayette. Bob, welcome to the show. Bob. Hey, how you doing? Thank you for taking my call. Sure, Bob. I, I got a two-part question. I, I'm not, I'm not blaming uh, uh, Bo Pelini for being hired. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, no, no I know that's just funny. I get, yeah, 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 no, for sure. Yeah, I mean, he got hired. Yeah. He sold himself. He got hired. This is historically bad. Yeah, okay? you, I mean, uh, literally, I mean, that's like not an exaggeration. Th- there was a record set two <laughs> weeks ago, and I'm here to tell you, in my opinion, today was worse. Ron is in Baton Rouge. Ron, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. It looks like a Chinese bar girl out there this afternoon. <laughs> I'm going to say that Why are the kids trying to run up when they have eight, nine in the box? And they tried to run right up the middle. I mean, that's just a wasted down. We're going to go out there. We're going to play the game. We're going to get the game come to us. We're going to play some defense. They're going to play some defense. We're going to run the ball. We're going to eat some gumbo, run the ball some more. Guess I'm not too fat. You know how it is. We're going to do it. We're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball. Go Tigers. And there you have it. That's Man. what college football sounds like. The South. My favorite was the guy's like, I got nothing else. I just love this dang state. Just fuck <laughs> Eric, now see, uh, we got to get a coach in here that can coach up three and two-star athletes because that's all we have. That's all we got, that's brother. That's all we have. Woo! Rick Flair, Drip. That's Rick Flair, Drip. Rick Flair, Drip. That's all we have. That's all we have is two and three-star athletes. That Rick Flair, Drip, just got to Fayetteville this this oh, summer. It, it just heard it just now in Fayetteville. Um, <laughs> so Tyler Tyler was able Lord. to, and Eric was able to put all that together. Tyler, what was your... So I told you that in ten, and it's going to happen again tonight. By the way, when Alabama rolls over Tennessee, that post game show that we watch all the time how how long five hours and change right? Yeah, it may have even got close to six. But you sent it to me, I think, around three o'clock last week, and it was still going at at nine thirty. They were burning the midnight oil out there in Knoxville. See that? So it just sounds. See, take that, Evanston. Champagne, that's what it's supposed to sound like. Yeah, they, they get a little blurb in the, the sports update. That's what they get here in Evanston. But uh, it, it Rocky Top, they, they cover it for nine hours after the do. game. Of course See, they where do. they went wrong was they, they brought in Philip Fulmer, Philip Fulmer to be the AD. <laughs> that's right. That's where they went wrong in the first place. You ain't going to win nothing. Rocky it's, Top, What's the greatest thing is people, they're not, like, asking questions. They're just making statements and then, like, waiting for a response to their statement. <laughs> It's it's great. We're not going to win nothing until we clean the entire, just clean the whole house out. And then there's just silence. That's all I got. That's, That's all I got. That's pretty much. Uh, so we will take a look at Alabama as they take on Tennessee. Oh, boy. We've got some Alabama, some Bama fans that just don't like Tennessee at all. It's that puke inside of a pumpkin orange. They low down. They dirty. They some snitches. More college football talk is right around the corner. Chicago's College Tailgate Show. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports.
Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. You can watch the show on Twitch. All right, Chris? Check us out, ESPN 1000 Chicago. The Twitch chat is alive. Hang out with us. Watch us. Watch college football as we talk college football here on CCT. What I love about the Twitch chat is, one, West Coast bias is always in there just hating, oh, on, the hating on USC for some reason. Well, I know why. but uh, And also, USC's they're, a better they're football watching, program. and this is what we do. This is how this is how Chicago we are. They're rating Wisconsin quarterbacks now to try to get them on the Bears. They're like, which which Bears, Ugh. which QB would fit on the Bears? They're like, oh man, it'd be great if that Wisconsin quarterback was in a Bears uniform. He'd look awesome. It's like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, now we turn to you, Adam, because here we go. Number two, Alabama takes on Tennessee in Neyland Stadium. As we had a man out in the street, an Alabama fan, we just have to catch him on State Lake and ask him his thoughts about this. We asked him, <laughs> sir, you're an Alabama fan. We see you in a T-shirt. What are your thoughts about Tennessee? And he said, man, I hate Tennessee because first of all, it's Tennessee. And I I, I just hate them because they, they, they low down, they dirty, they some snitches. And I hate Philip Farmer. I hate their colors. I'm not a dog person. <laughs> I, I just hate Tennessee, man. Like, and I, I hate Na- Nayland Stadium. It looks like a garbage truck worker convention, and I hate all their quarterbacks. <laughs> I just, I hate Tennessee, man. Describe, their, describe what you feel about their colors too. I thought that was interesting. It, it, it reminds me, it, and it, it's not that orange that you can stand. See, I hate Tennessee more than I hate Auburn. Wow. I just dislike Auburn. I hate Tennessee. See, Tennessee's colors is, is that, it's that wow. throw-up orange. It's not that orange that you can sit with. It's that puke inside of a pumpkin orange, that I, and I don't like pumpkins. So I just, I just, I, I really don't like Tennessee, man. I, I can't stress that enough, man. And they, they, they losers, they sore losers, cause they, they, they're not Alabama, and I, I hate Tennessee, man. All right, that's so, my dude. That's my dude. Yes. Every year, so he's a friend of yours. Every huh? year, every year, that dude comes up on Twitter somehow, and people just, I love him. He's so great. It's a puke orange. It's that puke orange. So I was glad we were able to speak to him. He says that he hates Tennessee more so he hates Auburn. That's interesting. You don't get that very often. No, you don't. Um, I think that that's just an Alabama thing, though. Like, he's got the Alabama shirt on. He's in Alabama. You know what I mean? Like, he's just he's, – it's, it's that puke orange. He doesn't like dogs. Well, he's not a dog person. To be he doesn't fair, like Phil Fulmer. Tennessee fans are very chirpy. Oh, God. Oh, my God. For a team that's done absolutely nothing oh in the God. last decade and a half, it, they are very chirpy. Yeah. Alabama's won 13 straight games in this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tennessee hasn't beaten Alabama since 2006. Yep. I mean, listen, uh, they have – oh, no. Oh, no. Don't know if I should run. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right behind you. <laughs> floppy top Tennessee. And they're oh, rocky top. Floppy top. Floppy top Tennessee. Well, Tennessee kept it close with Georgia earlier this year, and then Georgia pulled away at halftime, obviously winning 44-21. to And they got smoked by Kentucky last week, 34-7. to Oof. So, that I mean, would hurt. You know. That would hurt. Saban's got the record against, uh, you know, former assistants going. Against Pruitt, and, you know, this team is allowing, uh, they only score 23 and a half points per game in Tennessee. You know, Alabama's putting up 48 and a half. Like, I just don't, I don't see a way that unless Alabama just takes their foot off the gas and they're, they're, this is the body blow game after that Georgia game last week, and they're still, they're still winded. <laughs> yeah, not much. <laughs> From that game. You know, it's funny, Chris, while you were out, this was, this yeah. was the show. It was 
Adam, the Alabama fan, me as a Georgia fan, and I was we were both talking about how both of our teams are going to lose. Um, <laughs> and, but but I was right again, and the reason why I was right is because once again, no matter the the stats you see about Georgia defensively, if you don't have enough ammo to match upper echelon teams, you can't win. I mean, Stetson Bennett was a little guy back there trying to throw over the line. If he was 6'4", maybe some of those passes would have went through. The point is, though, is that, that Stetson Bennett was, is not ready for that moment. And, and, you, and by the way, like, and Adam says, well, you guys got to run the football more. Uh, against that line, at some point, that becomes predictable. That's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, 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 and, and See, this is why when, you, when people try to troll me on that, you can't troll me because I've said the same things about, about Georgia that you've said. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like, if you don't have enough offense to take on a team like like Alabama, then you can't win. And so, you know, watching Bennett out there was a great experience for him, but I chalked it up as an L early when the schedule came out because you don't know what you have at quarterback. At- I, Ole Miss did a great job of speeding up and getting – uh, Alabama on their heels defensively because they just kept going, going, going. But yeah, but but see, and then when we had a guest on last week, it says, well, you know, Georgia's going to speed them up. That's not who they are. No, they're not. But they did they did play some up tempo. I'm surprised. And I told you, I go, look, you got to keep the ball away from Georgia, and you got to try to score against this defense. Just keep trying to test that line with Najee Harris, and that's exactly what they did. 31 carries for 152 yards. His longest one was only 17 yards. And then you have to have Mac Jones take advantage of mismatch Mac Jones. Yep. Mac uh, Mac, Mac Jones. And so he did, and because of that, you were able to stretch that field and get chunk plays and create some chaos and some chaotic plays and create those big plays with Jalen Waddle showing up and, you know, with Mac Jones. So, you know, like, I didn't think that the defense was going to be able to show up the way they did late in that game. Alabama's defense. Yes, I didn't yeah. think that Alabama's defense would show up late in that game the way that they did because they haven't proven that they've been able to all season. And of course, Bennett makes his own mistakes with three interceptions. So it just mm-hmm. it's it's what it is, though. Like it's that's the thing that stops Georgia from being an upper tier team in the SEC. Lack of offense. You can't just run the football solely. They ran the football 145 yards. It's great, but you only scored 24 points. There's a reason. Yeah, absolutely. And you know this Alabama offense being as explosive as it is, uh, averaging 8.3 yards per play. Uh, this season, I mean, they are a team that in moments can put up a lot of points. And that's where you're going to see the teams like Georgia and other teams that rely on defense first to struggle because even if you have a good defense, Bama's going to find a way to score. They sure. have too many talented players who are going to be drafted in the first round of the draft next season, and they'll find a way. Mac Jones is playing great football as well. He's in the Heisman conversation at the moment. And I, I, I think that's where we kind of look at these two games. I mean, these two teams as – that's the difference, the explosiveness of the Bama offense. Also, you know, the, the stories in the news uh, sports-wise have been about how TV ra- ratings have been bad. Do you guys see the ratings for the, for the game last Saturday night? Ten million people watched. It, it was a highly rated mm-hmm. football game. And so, like, we, we go into this conversation of are people consuming sports? Are they being distracted by all that's going on in the world right now? You know what? People like watching football. And people consume Georgia, Alabama, and people will continue to consume college football. And that's mainly why we enjoy talking about it and why this show exists, because we know people are consuming college football and they want to talk about it. Some thoughts from both coaches. First, from Jeremy Pruitt, who's the coach for Tennessee. Some thoughts about the, the quarterback situation at Tennessee. It's that puke inside of no, pumpkin no, orange. You know, uh, obviously, 
there's there's three or four plays in a game that that Jarrett would like to have back, right? Um, talked about them Saturday after the game. Um, you know, same thing with JT. Um, you know, when you look at Brian and Harrison, um, both of these guys were very limited in fall camp, uh, which is one of the reasons that, um, you know, we've continued to have these scrimmages on, on Sunday night to try to get these guys kind of caught up just to give them an opportunity. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing like live action. And, we, again, we had a, a scrimmage last night, and both of these guys took reps. So uh, we'll continue to evaluate that position as the week goes. Dasani Water on one side of the podium, Coca on the other. Here's Nick Saban with his thoughts on how he preps for Tennessee. They low down, they dirty, they some snitches. A lot of folks, you know, this game means a lot to it, means a lot to me. Um, and I want our players to be ready to go and ready to play well. Um, so right mentality is really, really important, especially this time of year. Everybody gets a little banged up, beat up, um, makes it a little t- more difficult to sustain. But uh, we have to have the right mindset to be able to do that. There you go. The smoke him if you got him game. The cigar game. Make make Neyland smell like a bunch of cigar smoke. College game day covered that this morning. Too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It goes back to an old Alabama trainer who uh, – after Alabama lost seven in a row, he was a Tennessee alum. After Alabama finally beat Tennessee, he handed out cigars to the team. And uh, now every year the players bring a bunch of cigars with them. Yeah. Yeah. See? We'll see what happens as uh, as Alabama takes on woeful Tennessee. And by the way, we'll have full coverage of the Tennessee loss uh, at ESPN 1000 CCT with a nice long six-hour postgame show. If you don't believe us, follow, and you'll see it for yourself. Think we're lying? <laughs> Wait until you see the six-hour postgame that Tyler will have to cut. All right, coming up, we will keep our eyes on the uh, CCT scoreboard and look ahead to Penn State. Talk about next level in the Big Ten. We'll see what they do against Indiana and Bloomington. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is Chicago's College Tale Roll Tide. Show with Jay Hood, Black, and Abdallah. Go Tigers. Wish that. Hey! Chicago's College Sailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app as we build a bridge to Notre Dame football as they take on Pitt. 130 pregame, 230 kick right here on the home of the Irish ESPN 1000. Let's go on over to a Chicago's College Tailgate Scoreboard. The CCT scoreboard on ESPN 1000. Here's Chris Black, Chris. Clemson's up big on Syracuse. A minute 30 left in the second quarter. Clemson 24, Syracuse 7. At halftime, Ohio State 24, Nebraska 14. North Carolina, NC State at halftime as well. 17-7, Tar Heels with the lead. Kansas State leads Kansas 20-7 with a minute left in the second quarter. And also at halftime, Coastal Carolina and Georgia Southern tied at 14 at the half. That's the top 25 scoreboard right here on Chicago's College Tailgate. A couple other scores for you, Chris. How about this? How about Auburn Ole Miss is tied at 14? So Ole Miss, again, at 1-3. and three. Uh, So your guy over there at Ole Miss, N- nice start, 1-3. and three. 
Wish, well, he, and, wish and he was interested in coaching the team. When we look at uh, Bo Nix, too, in Auburn, I, shouldn't Auburn be better than the way they've played to this point in the season? Weren't yeah. we expecting a little bit more from uh, Gus Malzahn's squad? You know, sometimes we hear these coaches' names and we think, yeah, that, that team should be in a high-ranking bowl game. But sometimes you start looking at some of these guys like, are you, are you, are you, are you still good? Seat, still good? see for Malzahn. Right. Oklahoma's up 17-7 on TCU, uh, about to head to halftime. Uh, Michigan State, how about this? Mel Tucker, first game at Michigan State. Rutgers is up 28-10. Run, Mel! Three Run! seconds left in the second quarter. Oof. Michigan down 18. Michigan Oof. State down 18 heading into the half. Oof. You ever, ever heard of a transitional 80. coach? Well, I, I like Mel Tucker, but, you know, when he gets the gig jumping from Colorado to Michigan State, it's not like Colorado the last couple of years in the Pac-12 has been some elite team. Smells like Brett Bielema to me. That at, at Arkansas? That's what it sounds like to me. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, you take the job. It's a Big Ten job. Mm-hmm. Of course you take the job. But just, do you have any offensive identity? How long will it take you to turn the program around? Like, Michigan State wasn't great anyway, right? Didn't no. you think, don't you think there was a little bit on a downturn anyway? Well, yeah. they, they certainly yeah. were. And, uh, you know, it, the last couple of years, that program has uh, taken a nosedive, mm-hmm. especially in recruiting. Um, heading into this season, Michigan State is the 10th highest team in recruiting in the Big Ten. You know, think oh, about that. that. For, for Michigan State, they should not be ranked 10th in recruiting in the conference. That's a team that's been, been to Rose Bowls, that's been in conversations for the college football playoff. Plucky. That's pretty bad. Plucky. That's the word of the day. Yeah, well, they were, right? We're, yeah. Like that, they were giving you some wins out of nowhere, like, whoa. Well, because they're always tough to play. Like, that yeah. was the point, is that you'd always be like, okay, well, Michigan's got Michigan State, in-state rivalry, always a tough place to play. Okay, Ohio State's got Michigan State this week. Michigan State's always tough, always tough to play. Uh, not last year, though. Last no, I year, know, I know. Against the spread, they were 4-9, yeah. one of the worst teams in all of college football against the spread. But in recent history, they've been that team where you're like, uh-oh, Michigan State's on the schedule. Yeah. Don't overlook them. Yeah. You know? We talk about, uh, here on Chicago's College Tailgate, we talk about how you are the Big Ten or you're, you're in a major conference and you don't have the soft teams to take on the non-conference. That might tell the story about Ohio State and Nebraska at the half where Ohio State's leading 24 to 14. Like, I'm not saying that Nebraska's way less than, but Ohio State is considered one of the top teams that could go to the college football playoff, could be in the final four, and a little bit off to a sluggish start, uh, Chris, defensively for Ohio State. Yeah, and, you know, you, you see what uh, Adrian Martinez has done, uh, quarterback for Nebraska, 7 of 9, 72 yards. They've been able to run the ball. Uh, McCaffrey has five yards or 69 yards. Martinez has seven carries for 30 yards for the Cornhuskers. And on the offensive side for Ohio State, Justin Fields, 12 of 13 passing, 187 yards, a dime down the middle of the field for a touchdown. He's also run the ball 10 times for 46 yards. Um, We were talking earlier, Desmond Howard was saying, like, who's going to be the replacement in the run game for Ohio State? Master Teague has nine carries for 31 yards, two touchdowns, though, for the Buckeyes. So, I mean, right now, up 10 at halftime. But I think this is a game that we were expecting Ohio State to come out and blow out 
Nebraska. So, I mean, this is a pretty good start from Nebraska's point of view, right? Yeah, but would you be surprised if Nebraska doesn't score again and Ohio no. State just runs away with this in the second half? No, and it's about style points, and Ohio State needs to prove that they're on the same level as Alabama and Clemson. Mm-hmm. So, so they need to put up points, and we'll see if Scott Frost's crew can hang with the Buckeyes in the second half. Let's take a look now at Indiana against uh, Penn State. Some thoughts now uh, from the coaches. First, James Franklin on Indiana and how they've improved. In my six years in the conference, they've done a really good job of building it. They got a bunch of guys back uh, that have that have uh, that have played and played at a high level, and 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 uh, obviously last year had a winning conference record as well as, um, you know, obviously enough success to win eight games and go to a bowl game. And and the majority of those guys are coming back. So I think this is the best Indiana football team that we're going to face. And obviously we're facing on the road the last couple of years. have been very, very competitive games. Uh, and we've been fortunate to, to get out of there with, with, a, with, with a win, um, not only in Beaver Stadium, but also, you know, in Indiana. So, um, it's going to be a challenge. We have a healthy respect for our opponent, but I do feel like we're in a good place, and I do feel like we've had a good you know, camp, I guess you would describe it, um, and we're looking forward to you know, taking advantage of this week and being as prepared as we possibly can be um, come Saturday. Yeah, Tom Allen, the head coach for Indiana. The Hoosiers, Chris, are 1-7-1 against the spread as a home dog, home underdog uh, uh, under Allen. The other thing is, too, Indiana has lost 25 consecutive games straight up to AP top 10 teams going back to 2006. Some thoughts now from uh, Tom Allen on the excitement and taking on Penn State. Just feels awesome to be able to be in game week mode. Been through so much to get to this point. So uh, just a a lot of excitement from our players, um, from myself and our whole staff, just to be able to, to be in this position. So very thankful, very blessed. Um, it's been quite the journey to get to this point. So going to be hosting the uh, Penn State Nittany Lions here on, uh, on Saturday, Memorial Stadium. So much respect for Coach Franklin and what he's built there at Penn State. Obviously, tremendous tradition, but uh, just done a great job uh, building that roster. Just so much depth and uh, talent up front. Uh, really impressed with their uh, offensive line and, and uh, defensive lines. That's really where it starts for all of us, as we all know. And and they just have so much speed that they have on both sides of the football. And uh, so just tremendously well-coached. A new offensive coordinator that did a tremendous job at Minnesota and, and uh, brings a, a ton of experience and just a high level of uh, play calling and preparation. So we know that uh, makes them really, really more challenging than ever probably. Yeah, I expect Indiana to lose this game today, mm-hmm. the guys. But it's that now you're taking on Rutgers, then Michigan, and Michigan State. I expect Indiana to be improved in some areas. They actually have been pretty good. Uh, it's a 17 and 21 mark uh, for the record for Tom Allen as a head coach. So mm-hmm. it's improved. But we talk about layers, right? We take a look at the conference and say, where's Indiana along that? Well, you know, Illinois wants to be where Indiana is. Eight-win team last year, and there's absolutely improvement in Bloomington mm-hmm. uh, for the Indiana football program. And, and you know, where do they stack in with the rest of the Big Ten? It, it's a good question because they are on that level with the lower teams in the conference still trying to prove themselves to a team like Penn State, which I think is on the upper tier. Uh, Penn State, an 11-win team last year. They get to the Cotton Bowl. They beat Memphis in the Cotton Bowl 53-39. to They go 11-2, and they have their quarterback back. 
uh, Sean Clifford. And I think that this team is a sleeping uh, a team to watch who, who not a lot of people are, are really giving the credit that they could actually do something and make uh, a challenge towards the college football playoff because everyone's focused on Ohio State and how good Ohio State is. But if Penn State can figure out a way to kind of get through this schedule, uh, that's a team that I think we should keep uh, an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you look at the other side of the game at Penn State and are they going to be able to improve that offense by bringing in a new offensive coordinator? Like we saw what uh, Kirk Chiraca did in Minnesota with Tanner Morgan, turning him into a great quarterback there and really airing out the ball. Can they do that with Penn State? Because that's what they've been missing with these high-profile matchups that they have every year with Ohio State, with Michigan. It's always, all right, they've got a good defense. They're going to run the ball. They're going to, you know, but this, you need to open up that offense. And if, if Chiraca can come in and do that for Penn State, then they could be a contender this year. They've got Ohio State next week. So it's, it's a quick turnaround. And so get the win against Indiana and maybe see if you can take down Ohio State next year and get a shot at the college football playoff. And, and the answer, we'll have an answer, right? Because if Penn State next week can beat Ohio State, boom, that immediately changes the projections of what people think the Big Ten has as far as getting to the college football playoff. Huge game for Ohio State, even bigger game for Penn State. We spin the wheel next. Chicago's College Tailgate Show with Jonathan Hood, Chris Black, and Adam Abdallah. Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the all-new ESPN Chicago app. Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Along with Adam Abdallah and Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you. Follow the show on Twitter at ESPN 1000 CCT. They snitches. <laughs> yes, they are snitches, indeed. We will uh, have our Saturday night specials coming your way at 1 o'clock. Also, we'll preview Notre Dame as they take on Pitt. It's a 1.30 pregame and a 2.30 kick right here on the home of the Irish ESPN 1000. Now time for us to spin the wheel. And now it's time to spin the wheel on Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000. All right, time to spin the wheel <laughs> right here on ESPN 1000. Eric and Tyler have questions for us. We got to spin the wheel, and you never know what's going to come up when we spin the wheel here on Chicago's College Tailgate. Eric. All right, round and round it goes. Spin it. Uh, no whammy. All right, that one, let's see. Okay, which team or player, dealer's choice, you guys can pick, are you most looking forward to in this Big Ten season? Can we start first? Mm-hmm. All right. I'll go Rashad Bateman, wide receiver for Minnesota, and the Gophers overall. I, I'm just very intrigued by the story of P.J. Fleck, a guy that I saw play. We all saw play at NIU as a wide receiver. Had no idea he'd be this as a lightning rod in the Big Ten. It gives, he put some energy into this conference, right? It usually that kind of energy you see on, in the Pac-12, you see it in the SEC, but seeing it in the Big Ten, he just it feels fresh when you watch Minnesota. So I go Rashad Bateman, wide receiver for Minnesota. Uh, I will go with Michigan just because I'm always intrigued by what they do, how they handle and, and navigate the waters of the Big Ten schedule, and then how they either come to defend or detract from Jim Harbaugh and what he's or from John Harbaugh and what he's trying to do. And so we always have the conversation. The countdown is on. So today it's the 24th. 
So today it's the 24th. Next week we'll be doing the show on October 31st. And then the week after that, that Saturday. When will we have the, well, Michigan will never do better than Harbaugh? I think we'll. Uh, I think we've had that conversation. I know, but when we we have it every single year. So what year do we? What week? Today. What week do we have after which loss? One fifteen. Do we have that 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 uh, that conversation? They'll never do better than Harbaugh. I, I don't know if that's true. Yeah, you think you think Urban Meyer wants that job? No, but it doesn't. That statement doesn't have to be right now. But yes, perhaps right now. But I mean, at a certain point. He doesn't win enough games for what the appetite of a Michigan fan is. They want to be in the conversation with Clemson, Alabama, but and who Ohio are they hiring? Who are they hiring? It, but that's that's a stupid response because they who can they hire hiring? anybody. No, they can't. Okay, they can't. No. Okay, you're getting a better coach than Jim Harbaugh. You could. You're telling me he's the best coach in college football. Who are they getting though? Who are they? Are they gonna? Are they gonna? Are they gonna get PJ Fleck to come over? I don't give me the answers. No, I'm saying they can't. They can't. Okay. He's the best they can do. All right. He's a Michigan man. Okay. They can't. They've tried. They can't. I'm guessing at some point they get someone who is better, who is more successful than Harbaugh. I don't think they will. I think he's got this job as long as he wants it. You're like, you're giving a definitive answer. Mm-hmm. I'm suggesting that I don't think that there is a definitive answer. At yeah, some point in our lifetime, there will yeah. be a better coach than Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. Yes. That's, I think that's, so. that, that's my definitive answer. But I think it's because he leaves, not because they force him out. That's Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it doesn't okay. matter. I mean, listen, he hasn't succeeded to the point that we thought he would in the amount of time he's been there. What's your answer? My answer, I'm going to go Rondell Moore, star wide receiver for Purdue. He's an explosive player. He's not playing this week, but hopefully he is back for the game next week, Purdue and Wisconsin. One of the bright stars in the Big Ten, so that's where I'm going. Moore, who opted back in, who originally said he wasn't going to partake in this year's season, he opted back in, so I'm excited for the wide receiver, more. You do know that I'm going to turn to you for Purdue thoughts every week now. Why? Because, because of Rondell Moore? Yeah, yeah. I expect right. for you to tell me He's how, a fun player. how Brom's doing with well, Brom, COVID. Brom, Brom has COVID and yes. uh, did not get When is he coaching? The, week four? He uh, petitioned uh, the Big Ten that he could be a part of a, a video coaching system for today, and the Big Ten said no, so he's on the sideline. All right, Eric, go right ahead. Let's see what else we come up with here. As we spin the wheel, brought to you by Four Winds Casino. All right, let's keep it in the Big Ten here. So there are two teams that are kind of front runners for this college football playoff in Clemson and Alabama. In a normal year, Ohio State would be one of those teams right around there in that third spot. But can there be two teams in the Big Ten that claim those last two spots this year? No. No. I say no only because I I just think that the committee will even consider a one-loss SEC team before they consider two undefeated teams. Uh, Big Ten teams. Ohio State could be one of them. I don't see Wisconsin in that conversation. To me, it still comes down to the marquee matchups, the marquee teams. I I would see one. I don't know if I'd see the other. Hmm. It's, It's not impossible, but I find it to be improbable. I don't, because, okay. We all kind of assume that it's going to be Alabama and Georgia in the SEC championship game, right? Correct. Okay, so if Georgia loses again, that's two losses. Yep. If Wisconsin goes undefeated, if Ohio State goes undefeated, they meet in the Big Ten championship. That knocks one off. Okay, are you taking a one loss over a two? You're taking a two-loss team over a one-loss team then? 
which which who has a second loss? Georgia. Georgia's if Georgia loses to Alabama, they're not in that conversation. Okay, so then you're taking two Big Ten teams. No, I'm not. No, there's there's taking a Pac-12 team. There is a Pac-12 team. You're taking an undefeated USC. Yep. You're taking two lost Notre Dame. No, they're not in the conversation either. So undefeated USC, it is. You're just ignoring Wisconsin. No, I said Wisconsin. I said I said if Wisconsin loses to Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game, okay, they have one loss. Do you just put them both in? No, because Wisconsin only has the one loss, and it's two one of the probably the top three teams in the in college football. I would guess that it's going to be very difficult for two Big Ten teams against the college football playoff because you would have to look at Oregon losing a game, and if Oregon goes undefeated, that will be the Pac-12 team to get in, and if it's not Oregon, that would maybe suggest that USC is the Pac-12 team to get through their schedule and win the Pac-12 championship, and if you have an undefeated Pac-12 champion, they're going to get a spot. They just are. No, that's fine. It's deserved, actually. For for the good for college football, you got to have. I would say if a team is that good in the Pac-12, they deserve to be in there. What if that big? What if that Pac-12 team hasn't played all their games? What if they can't? What if a team can't play all their games? I think the same goes for the Big Ten. No, I know I agree with you, but I'm saying, what if that? What well, if one of the Big Ten teams doesn't play? Play all play their your games. games. Auburn, Notre Dame. <laughs> I don't want to see two big. T- just put Tyler, Notre Dame in there, Tyler. You tell me if it's unfair. I just don't want to see two Big Ten teams in the in the Final Four. I just think it's almost impossible because someone's got to lose at some point. So between if it's Ohio State and Wisconsin, that's someone's going to get a loss. Someone's losing in the Big Ten championship. That that would be Wisconsin so. in that scenario. BYU. Anyone want the Cougars? No, in? no, they don't want that. Cougars. I, undefeated Cougar. I, I think we're going to have a one loss team in the college football playoff. It's Cougar? just a matter of which one loss team it is. Undefeated Cougars. Not Clemson. No, not Clemson, not Alabama, not Alabama. Okay, all right. But no about, no what about Oklahoma State? Who? Oklahoma State. Well, yeah, if they're undefeated. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, probably. Oh, you're looking for a Big Twelve? I'm just saying Oklahoma State's undefeated right now. now that, that well, that that Big Twelve team more likely will be Iowa State. <laughs> just based on how everything's going, right? Well, they have a loss though. They played today. Yeah. We'll I'd, t- I'd rather have a one-loss Big 12 team than a one-loss Big 10 team in my Final Four. How about that? Ooh. I don't know. You don't like that? that? You don't like that? No. I want entertainment, pal. That's what I want. Why can't I have entertainment? I think Wisconsin's entertaining. Oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> All right. Only two spins of the wheel today. Oh. All right, Eric. Well, that's how it works. Well, you're <laughs> telling up. We will have. You're making a case for, for Wisco. That's pretty good. Same. All right. Coming up, we will give you our Saturday night specials. Get your pencils and scorecards ready. We've got something for you here coming up next on CC. It's time to put money in your pocket. What's going on making a few bucks on the side? It's the Saturday night special. You want some of this, don't you? Yeah. Well, you need to know the winner. And I know the winner. It's time to put money in your pocket. It's the Saturday night special on Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000. All right. Place your bet.
Chicago's College Tailgate brought to you by Four Winds Casino. Jonathan, Adam, and Chris with you. Follow us on Twitter at ESPN1000CCT. Having a fun time as the Big Ten has returned to the college football landscape. We're with you until 1.30. Then it's Notre Dame against Pittsburgh. 1.30 pregame, 2.30 kick right here on the home of the Irish ESPN 1000. Hey, Nesby. What's up, Hoodie? How you doing, man? I'm well, thanks. Hey, man. Hey, uh, the, I, I heard you guys bagging on Harbaugh a little bit, man. We, we got to give him some due, man. I'm out here, you know, in Michigan. What brought me out here was the fact that I played at Michigan in 2000, 2001 under Lloyd Carr. The big thing about it is those who know about Ann Arbor know Ann Arbor is a very different place, as I could, as I could put it like that. The Fan Five touched on it a little bit down there at Michigan, but Ann Arbor, Harbaugh cannot recruit the kind of guys that win national titles. Okay, like the like uh, Pete Carroll could with USC, like Jim uh, Jimmy Johnson could do when he was at Miami. Now Michigan is a very rich place with talent in Detroit and Pontiac, Inkster, all your surrounding inner cities. Like uh, Ohio State can do, they could tap that resource in Cleveland and uh, Youngstown and things like that. Jim Harbaugh can't do that at Michigan because they want Michigan men, quote per on say. He can only recruit the Malibu Stacys from California and the Corpus Christi guys from Texas. He can't go get the inner city hood guy. It's not going to work. Michigan won't allow. What do you think of that, Adam? I mean, I I think Harbaugh's recruited pretty well, except for quarterback. He's recruited. He had a great defense there before. He's had playmakers uh, on offense. He just can't get the quarterback right. He hasn't had a quarterback you know, since uh, since he's gotten it at uh, at Michigan, I think once he recruits a good quarterback, and we'll see if the new guy that's getting the start today um, can turn it around. You know, they return half their defensive starters this right. year, so I I just I think he just needs to get his quarterback right. And Joe Milton, fine. Joe, Joe Milton, Milton is, uh, is starting today, yeah. and you know, it's Dylan McCaffrey was the highly touted recruit. Uh, from the West Coast that uh, Harbaugh brought in. But, guys, it's a plague uh, that we've seen in college football now for a couple of seasons. When there's a competition and you think you deserve the job, you run and hide. And that's exactly what Dylan McCaffrey did. They said it's going to be a competition in the offseason. Milton is the guy who it looked like was playing better football in camp before the, the pandemic started. And it was an open competition. The job was not gifted to him, even though he's a privileged, you know, athlete from a family with a a brother who's a star in the NFL and a father who won Super Bowls. And then, well, I don't want to play this season. It's something we've seen in college football. When you have competition at quarterback, you see who is really there to actually compete for the team and who just wants to be propped up because they're a five-star recruit. Malibu Mm -hmm. Barbie. Now it's time for our Saturday Night Specials here on ESPN 1000. I mean, isn't that exactly yeah. what that yeah. is? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. On the ESPN Chicago app. All right, I'll start here. Adam, let's start off first with Marshall against Florida Atlantic. Okay. You know, Marshall has kept the ball for over 34 minutes in a game uh, so far this year. FAU has had it for over 22 minutes against Charlotte. The downfield passing game has been great, but Marshall might uh, make this a little easier. The run, the control, the tempo that they rely, that they rely on, the mid-range passing game, they're going to keep things moving. 
saw this earlier with Marshall as a 17.5-point favorite. Give me Marshall minus 17.5 against Florida Atlantic. Lock it up. Adam? Oh, floppy top. Oh, right away. Top Tennessee. Oh, floppy top. Wow. Floppy top Tennessee. It's that puke inside of a pumpkin orange. They low down. They dirty. They snitches. They snitches. It looks like a garbage workers convention, their stadium. Early. <laughs> wow. Bam is number one in football power index overall, number one on offense, 22nd on defense. Tennessee, 23rd overall, 36th on offense, 14th on defense, according to football power index. Not a horrible defense. Not a horrible defense. But this, we saw this against Georgia. This Alabama offense is something else this year. I like Alabama in the first half. Because 22 is a lot. I don't like that. I don't like that three touch, extra three touchdown hook. It might not be a lot to some. To me, it's a lot. So give me Alabama first half minus 11 and a half. Lock that up. Wish that I was on a floppy top down in the Tennessee hills. Snitches. Make sure that you check ESPN 1000 CCT for extended coverage of Tennessee's. Cannot believe Tennessee lost by 75 points. Yeah, Alabama's ass whooping at the against Tennessee. That will happen later on tonight. Chris, Coach Saban's coming in here with five-star recruits, and all we have are two or three-star guys. We need Fulmer to coach the team all again. Right. Uh, 2:30 FS1 Penn State on the road against Indiana. It's a, a lean oh. I gave yesterday on like it, love it. Uh, just a taste of it. Mm. It's a pick I'm sticking with. Uh, Penn State on the road minus the six and a half. They are favorites in this contest. I think they are one of the best teams in the Big Ten, and I think that they take uh, care of business against the Hoosiers. Even though the Hoosiers won eight games last year, and they are an improving team in the Big Ten. Give me Penn State and James Franklin. Take that. I know you don't like James Franklin, but I think they cover that spread. Six and a half, Penn State. Six and a half. All right. We turn now to Fresno State, Hawaii. Okay. So the Fresno State defense has been great over the last few years. The offense will work around running back Ronnie Rivers and a new starting quarterback, Jake Hayner. He's a transfer from Washington. Are you familiar with Hayner uh, from Washington? A transfer back up? No, I'm not. However, got a good arm. <laughs> I got gotcha. yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, a new car, huh? Good engine. Wheels? <laughs> got wheels. <laughs> However, this will be about the Fresno State running game. Adam? Yeah. The Hawaii defensive front couldn't put up much of a run last year. Doesn't have the experience in place to be great from the start. Over, however, you know the Rainbow Warrior defense needs a little bit too much work. This is uh, they need a warm up game, and they won't have much of a warm up here. I love the over sixty six in this one with Fresno State Hawaii. Lock it up. Uh, I said got an arm. I, I said this. Uh, I, I asked this question to uh, Chris yesterday, so I'll ask it to you. Today, Jonathan, yeah. uh, what, what do we say when you have two quarterbacks? How many quarterbacks do you have? Zero. What about when you have three quarterbacks? None, none. Negative? None, none. None, none. None, none. none, 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 yeah. none. So uh, with the injury to Virginia quarterback, they're going to run a three-quarterback system today against oh, Miami. Miami is a 13-and-a-half-point favorite today against Virginia. I know they lost to Clemson, but it's Clemson. We're, we're seeing how good Clemson can be, although I don't know. 
maybe Trevor Lawrence out of the Heisman race. He threw a pick six today. So I think that I don't think you're allowed to do that if you're in the Heisman race. I'm just saying. Uh, it's it's mm-hmm. Mac Jones is to lose. Um, Mac Jones. Oop. Mac Jones. Uh, so yeah, I like Miami minus 13 and a half against Virginia uh, tonight. ESPN at 2.30, Baylor on the road against Texas. Texas, a team that we talked a lot about in the first couple weeks of this program because, once again, the question's out there. Is Texas Texas back? They are not. They're 2-2. Hold on. I'll wait. Uh, Texas Texas is back, folks. Folks. Uh, And they're not. Uh, This season, uh, Texas giving up 36 points per game, where Baylor, their defense is pretty good, only giving up 20.5 points per game here's what i'm looking at with this game the over under is at 61 i know it's not a whole lot of fun but let's go under 61 baylor and texas 230 on espn under what 60 what 61 okay finally adam jonathan iowa state oklahoma state yeah the Oklahoma State rushing attack leads the Big 12, but it has the benefit of a 295-yard day against Kansas in a free space where they had free, free, free reign in that game. They could just run all over the field. Why Iowa State will win? The offense has found its balance, but better. It, will, it was well-balanced in the opener against Louisiana, but it wasn't able to hit the 160-yard mark on the ground uh, or in the air in the loss. However, the offense hit 200 yards in both rushing and receiving against both TCU and Texas Tech. See this game, and I really feel good about uh, Iowa State in this one. I wasn't sure which one I should go. I was thinking Iowa State plus 2.5 or the over 52. I will say both. Lock it up. A a double pick. Double pick. Take that. You like Iowa State today? Uh, you I guys like, like Iowa State? I like the over. I had a choice. Like, yeah. I, like I have, a, I like the over at fifty-two. I like the over. Yeah, I usually like Iowa State. Iowa State will win the game. How about that? You like that? Like right. on the road, and and if they win, it's going to be a lower scoring game. So, I well, I definitely like the over fifty-two. I, right. I was I was struggling back and forth on which I like, but definitely I love the over more so than I love that plus two and a half. I know that for sure. All right, Adam. Tonight, ABC. What do you have? Minnesota. Oh. Michigan. The big one. Mm. The big one. The Big Ten kickoff. The real game tonight. You know, they're playing for more than just the game on the field. Little brown jug. There's a jug. Little brown jug. jug At play. Michigan Wolverines. So Midwest. Against the spread in their last 10. What? Seven and three. Six and three as a favorite. Are you waiting for sound bites to be dropped in no, in no, between no. this? I'm okay. just, I just wait, just wait. He's, he's building right. it up. He's yeah. Just wait for it. Yeah. Just wait he's, for he's it. He's doing yeah. radio. This line okay. opened right. at Minnesota, a point and a half favorite, and now Michigan, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. a three point uh, favorite. Yeah. However, uh, oh, for oh, the people on Twitch, Twitch.tv slash ESPN One Thousand. However, oh, he's got, uh, he's got props. Not so fast, my friends. Minnesota plus three. Also, money line sprinkle. Lock it up. You got that three and a half. 
I, I got it at three and a half earlier, okay. but I have it at three now. So I got to check and see if I have week, a highlighter. Earlier in the week, I took I took three and a half just just because you got to keep an eye on these lines throughout the week. Come on, Chris. You don't have time to rummage I, around. You want I've this got one? a highlighter. You want no, this I got one? my own. So you check sure? that. Okay. Ooh, yours is green. Just wait. Uh-oh. Are you done over there? Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, oh, yeah. My bit's over. <laughs> <laughs> ESPN, 6 o'clock, South Carolina on the road against LSU. Oh, for heaven's sakes. <laughs> Give me a game. <laughs> what are you, this is a game. What, is a game. what are you, me? Uh, <laughs> on ESPN at 6 o'clock. <laughs> I'm helping people in the non-power five and you're... So, so here's the deal, right? What is like, that? Defending <laughs> champs. South Carolina. The defending champs are one and two. Yeah. We saw them embarrassed to start the season. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they've lost to, to Missouri. Yeah. I mean, LSU, you lost to Missouri. Yeah. I know the leech got you to, to open the season in Mississippi State. Big yeah. leech. Uh, the only team that LSU has beaten to this point is Vanderbilt, 41 to 7. Yeah. Um, this game. The Tigers at home are favored by four and a half points. Uh, look at this. A time for LSU to get right, right? The defending champs. Can they figure it out? Can Odron get this going in the right direction? But the green highlighter says, Go Tigers. Not so fast, my friends. Not so fast. Gamecocks on the road, Whoa. plus the four and a half. Let's go, South Carolina. Better Woo. defense, Woo. only giving up 24, 24 points per game, and I think they'll score enough. They'll keep this close, if not win this contest. Wow. Sorry, LSU, your season's atrocious. Wow. Take that. I've got green highlighter. How about that, Abdallah? Boom. Same brand, Bic? Yeah, it is Bic. Oh, there you go. All right. Big bros. Yeah, it's interesting. A measuring contest between markers. What a surprise there. This is Chicago's College Tailgate Show with Jay Hood, Black and Abdallah. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. My big's bigger. Need to get schooled on the latest in the world of college football? ESPN 1000 Chicago College Tailgate Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Here are your hosts, Jonathan Hood, Chris Black, and Adam Abdallah. Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Jonathan, Adam, and Chris with you. Follow the show on Twitter at ESPN1000CCT. And coming up at 1.30 will be Notre Dame taking on Pitt. 1.30 pregame, 2.30 kick right here on the home of the Irish ESPN 1000. And Chris, watching the game last week for the Irish, it was a win, but it was a letdown. You know, I remember seeing Brian Kelly on the field after the game talking to Tariko and Dungy and saying, well, it's not, you know, one of the, our great games. It wasn't a great performance, but we're happy to get out with the victory. I don't – which Irish team was supposed to show up here against Pitt? The one that let down offensively, I thought, against Louisville, the one that smashed Florida State. Yeah, Pitt has lost three straight games. Pat Narduzzi, uh, a pretty good uh, defensive-minded head coach. And the Irish, you know, they're up to number three in the polls based on Georgia losing. But you're right. The game last week did not look impressive. Something I'm looking at between these two teams, Notre Dame's offensive line. Can they run the football and also Pitt's front seven? Pitt's front seven, really good getting after the quarterback. One of the best teams in the country they lead the nation in total sacks with 29 so we'll see if notre dame can not only run the ball but also 
keep Ian Book standing upright, allowing him to go down the field. And we've seen what uh, this Notre Dame offense, when struggles to score points, these games are really close against opponents that really, if you look at the records and you look at the rankings, these games should not be as close as they've been for the Fighting Irish. Yeah, they beat Louisville 12-7, to Ian Book 11-19 for no touchdowns. But this was a game where... You know, they only threw for 106 yards, but on the ground, they ran the ball 49 times for 232 yards. They won the time of possession by six minutes. So this is what they needed to do to beat Louisville. Can they do that against Pitt? Pitt has a better defense, 17th overall in uh, uh, efficiency on football power index. Notre Dame is 20th on defense. Notre Dame has the much better offense on paper at 9th. Pitts at 54th, but if they can dominate and win the time of possession with the ground game, could they pull off an upset? This is a, a low spread. It's only nine and a half or 10 looking at, depending on where you're getting at it. And this is a team that Notre Dame, I don't want to say they're on upset alert, but this is a team that could beat Notre Dame just based on the way that they play and the way that they control the game and the way that they play defense. It always comes back to Ian book. I saw this and this stood out to me. Ian book needs two touchdown passes to pass current offensive coordinator Tommy Reese as the second all-time leader in career touchdown passes at Notre Dame. That's amazing. Ian Book, two touchdown passes away What's from becoming... Him, it's taken him seven years. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, is, like... How long we, has Ian Book been there? We talk about it each week on this show. Is Ian Book a good enough quarterback to get Notre Dame where they need to be as far as the college football playoff? College football's Evan Eschmeyer. In all of the great, rich history at Notre Dame, Ian Book's about to become the second person in the list for most touchdown passes ever thrown at ND. You know that doesn't make any sense, right? After all the all the Lou Holtz years. Right. Mm-hmm. Really? Like, yeah, like, right? I mean, that, that's amazing. It's crazy. The Notre Dame also has, uh, they've won 10 straight games dating back to last season. It's the longest active streak out of any Power 5 team in the country. Uh, so today should be a good matchup. Notre Dame on the road as a favorite at Pitt. Uh, you like uh, Notre Dame going away? I like Pitt. You like Pitt going away. I like I don't I don't know if Pitt wins, but this is a I just haven't seen enough from Notre Dame. I don't think Notre Dame is the number three team in the country. That's correct. I don't I haven't seen enough for them to be a ten or more point a double digit favorite against a really good defense in Pitt that leads the nation, like you said, in sacks. Well, not only that, uh, Notre Dame second in the ACC running the football. Pitt leads the nation against the run. Yeah. So look at the trenches. Look at that front seven from Pitt. That's where this game is going to kind of. The balance of the game is going to be. How about Iowa State against Oklahoma State? This is going to be an interesting game at 2.30, guys. It's still water at Boone Pickens Stadium. Some thoughts from Mike Gundy, the coach for Oklahoma State. I mean, I think we're at our best when, when we play fast and we can rush the football and use play-action pass. I mean, but that's the way that I felt for 12 years. Um, we're getting a little better at that. Uh, I think musical chairs is a, an issue for us on the offensive line that we've um, – eliminated fortunately over the last few weeks makes a big difference uh and then we have skilled players that can make plays you got to get the ball to those guys let them score touchdowns a hot name in nfl circles is matt campbell the head coach for iowa state the number 17 team in the country as campbell talks about 
Purdy's improvements. You know, I, I think Brock's greatest growth is just his experience and understanding the highs and lows that come with playing the quarterback position. You know, I, I think at this level, um, there are so much expectation. There is so much uh, demand on him being his best and what's perceived as his best all the time. And, you know, I, I think it takes a, both a physical and emotional toll to to play quarterback and play quarterback for a great length of time. Some thoughts there from Campbell. Uh, what's going on with Clemson? Do you have the upset bird alert? Woo! You got that what for is us? Going on? I mean, uh, that something is a cooking for the East Coast media elites. Right now, Clemson with 644 in the third quarter leads 27 to 21, and Syracuse has the ball back. Let's go. What an 83 <laughs> yard touchdown on the last possession for Syracuse. The media elite score. They're only down six. Woo! Could chaos begin early today? Here we go. How Tyler. much time is how much time is left in the game? Too much. Uh, six, six left in the third quarter. Oh, Clemson still covers. Too much. <laughs> Clemson still covers the Tyler, how, You know, you know what the quarterback for Syracuse's completion percentage is right now? Yeah. Go eight, ahead. Eight for twenty. It doesn't matter. Doesn't you see that last completion? Doesn't matter. Doesn't Eighty-three matter. yard touchdown. Right. Was on the do you road. Know what, do you know what city you're in? Quarterback you, stats don't matter. You know. <laughs> hey, 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 Tyler. You know what travels? Media people. Think about <laughs> media, that. What? Syracuse media elites on the road against Clemson. Do you? you your people know how to travel. Yeah, they travel. They're well. in the press yeah. box. They're in They're the press all box. Over. They're in the, You'll hear about it. In the press Golf box. clapping yep. in the press box because so it's not loud. Your people. <laughs> We thank you for listening and being part of the program Syracuse here alums. on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. Bob Costas. Our, our thanks to Eric and Tyler on the other Rico. side of the glass. Stay tuned now for, for now. Notre Dame Fighting Irish Football as they take on Pitt. For Chris and Adam, this is Jonathan Hood. Nick Ferdell. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to follow along on Twitter at ESPN 1000 CCT for postgame coverage right here on Chicago's Home for Sports.